Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Random College Hooper of the Week is Paul Jesperson. Paul Jesperson had one of the most underrated NCAA tournament game winners in recent memory. A lot of people remember a lot of different shots from the tournament, and a lot of those shots are in the montage of CBS, you know, True TV, all those networks as they lead into a game. Paul Jesperson had one of the great shots against Texas, and I think that was the closest Texas has ever come to any sort of semblance of success under Shaka Smart. That's some little alliteration for you right there, semblance success, Shaka Smart. Um, but Paul Jesperson, Texas tied the game. Jesperson gets the rebound, inbound, does a nice little move, a little crossover dribble, half court, buttermilk. So Paul Jesperson, former Northern Iowa Panther, and I actually think another reason why this shot goes unnoticed is because it's not the greatest shot in Panther tournament history. That belongs to Ali Farokmanesh pulling up with just titanium balls against Kansas for that three. But Paul Jesperson, your random college hooper of the week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. We got basketball. Let's open the curtains for real. long arduous journey has seemed to come to an end we're back i remember sitting here talking with you when the Big East tournament was canceled when all these conference tournaments were getting canceled and then we were sitting talking about how the the jazz thunder game i think it was got canceled rudy gobert being an absolute idiot touching the mics and that was really the beginning of all of the shit show that was was college basketball and also just basketball in general but here we are some seven, eight months later, I don't necessarily know if health-wise we're in any better of a position than we were back in March. We actually might be in a worse position as a country. Who knows? But college basketball is back. It is back tonight, thankfully. And, I mean, it's some sort of, of normalcy, I suppose, for us because Feast Week has always been a fixture in our lives. Now, we had to adapt last year earlier this year, excuse me, with no tournament, but we have Feast Week However, there are some cancellations. We'll get to those. But Taylor, just your initial thoughts on finally being back, on having college hoops to watch all of today and and tonight. So that was uh, 257 days ago. March 12th was that date when uh, the Rudy Gobert and then everything went downhill from there. Uh, So... Obviously, for multiple reasons, I'm I'm happy as a big time college basketball fan. I'm I'm thrilled, of course. Um, and then it's just nice to have something other than, uh, you know, football on like three days a week. You know, we're gonna get random Tuesday night 
games that go to like midnight, which is oh, if you're a big time college basketball fan, it's almost more exciting than like the Champions Classic and things like that. It's like the random games that go on all day long or all evening long in, into into 12 a.m. even West Coast time or Pacific time. So that's really what I'm excited about probably the most is a more robust uh, sports schedule in general. And now especially, it's you know, college basketball is the only sport that we haven't seen um, since this all, you know, since – quarantine and covid every other sport has come back and either finished a season or at least started a new one so college basketball is kind of the last one to return it just feels so good because this entire year taylor it's kind of zapped me of my sports fandom you can say oh well you're never really a sports fan to begin with oh, i'm fine i don't care you can be a hardo about it but just this whole year has been so depressing and and just so taxing where I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care that the Lakers tied the Celtics in titles, asterisks. Like, I, I don't care that lo- the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, won the, 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 the title. I don't care. I just, I just don't care. Like the other night, Monday night football, great game, Bucks-Rams. I didn't care because my, my mother-in-law bought, brought home a DVD for us to watch yesterday it's a great film by the way this little indian kid was british jack named jack malik which is bullshit i mean that's a whole new rabbit hole i hate when people anglicize and give indian actors like names like jack that's not his fucking name but uh it's a great film about basically this this aspiring musician who wants to uh be great but he sucks uh gets hit by a bus and the beatles never exist so he just steals all their songs and the world loves him but I was way more enthralled with that movie. I was honestly more excited to watch that than Bucks Rams. And so the, the the point that I'm getting at though, Taylor, is that college basketball has me excited again. Like this is now must watch television and those shitty games that you referenced that are going to be airing at midnight Eastern, 11 PM Eastern. I'm going to be locked in. I may not care about Bucks Rams, but I will care about like Hawaii versus some random ass team. <laughs> I just think that you're too scared to watch the demise of your golden boy, Tom Brady, which is the real reason that you're hiding behind watching a DVD, not even on Netflix or a streaming service. I don't think, I think you just don't want to watch your, your boy noodle arm passes down the field to nobody constantly on primetime TV. I'm the, the DVD little shot. I take offense to my sweet mother-in-law brought it. I, I, I obviously know about streaming services, but I'm not going to bring that up. Okay. She wanted to watch it. She got it on DVD and we watched it. Great film for any, anyone who wants a nice family viewing. She is a wonderful person. So I won't, I won't hate on that. Luckily I did get to hang out with her. Was that this last Saturday? Yes, it was. But um, yeah, I, I'm just, yeah, overall thrilled. I, I, I'm not going to go quite as far as saying that my sports fan home fanhood was gone, at least not in as it re, you know relates to the NFL. But it was weird. Uh, everything else, I do understand uh, what you're saying when just the timing of everything just didn't seem right. We we weren't as into the NBA and you know MLB and all that, and clearly the rest of the sports world wasn't either. So hopefully we see a more positive review of college basketball coming on at a more normal time. Well, even the NBA draft and free agency, and there's so much speculation. That's the one sport where it's just speculation rules. And I'm like, gosh, shut up. Stop texting me about all this shit. I don't care. I just, I just don't care. I have so much fatigue, but I've awoken. I'm like, I'm like uh, Charlie in the chocolate factory is dad. Like he's just been bedridden all year, but he, he gets that golden ticket and he's, back up on his feet. That's kind of how I feel like college, ba- college basketball is my golden ticket. Isn't it his grandpa? But yeah, that's fine. Did I say I, his dad? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's his, it's his useless <laughs> grandpa. Okay. Yeah. Him. That's what I feel. I actually have a terrible back again right now. Um, so I actually may be more veteran than I'd like to admit, but college basketball is back. Taylor, you mentioned there were some cancellations though. And I think that's a big component to this because we're huge Rothstein guys and we follow him. And it seems like, Almost, I don't know, one every four tweets is about a team getting a COVID outbreak or a head coach getting a COVID outbreak. Rick Barnes got COVID. It'd be great if we had our Tennessee guy here to talk a little bit about that. But, you know, again, three straight episodes missed from from our volunteer. I suppose we can uh, just bury that. But Rick Barnes has COVID. 
there's some cancellations. What are some of those games uh, that, that we're seeing have either been canceled or postponed? There's a lot of cancellations. Let's not, you know, I hate to be, usually I'm the grand optimist, but I'm going to be a little bit uh, more melancholy, I guess, in the uh, preview of this coming week, because on Wednesday alone, there's 23 cancellations um, and not just like random games. These are, you know, some of the better games of the of the week, starting off Baylor, Arizona State was canceled. Duke's game was canceled. Tennessee's game was canceled. Creighton's game was canceled. Arizona's game was canceled. And then you've got all of these teams that are, these are uh, in a lot of situations um, part of a tournament like at the Mohegan Sun or the preseason NIT or, or what may you there that now those are all canceled. So you have or affected. So I mean, you, you're looking at the list of games for this week. And on Thursday, the games that are supposed to be shown on ESPN are literally to be determined against to be determined because of varying. I mean, they're literally as we're, they're recording this, uh, someone else just pulled out and I have to go back and read the tweet, but someone else just pulled out of a tournament as well. Um, so th- unfortunately, this is what we're going to get this season, sadly. You know, I mean, I think we've seen it enough in other sports to know that um, cancellations and postponements are going to happen. And that's in professional sports where they have the, the money to prevent this type of stuff or seemingly prevent this type of stuff. If we're seeing this many cancellations and postponements before the season even starts, I can't imagine it's going to be better once it begins, right? It's it's interesting because I'm the grand pessimist, I suppose. And a lot of times people will say, well, if I asked you in six months time, this is where we would be. If I told you like a week or so after all the cancellations happened back in March, in in six months time, this is where we would be. I'd be like, yeah, that makes complete sense. Uh, like the, the, the incompetence, ineptitude of the NCAA. I mean, it took a goddamn miracle for the NBA to pull off the NBA to, to pull off a bubble. These other leagues, it took so much hard work and, and and a miracle. Like these are professional leagues, professional sports leagues, and the NCAA pales in comparison to those. Uh, and so, me, I guess as a pessimist, I like this isn't shocking to me. And you're right, we have been sort of accustomed. To, it's crazy to say this out loud, but we've been accustomed to now cancellations postponements and to your point about saying well some of the better games that were canceled for wednesday shit those could be the we don't know what games will be played so we may have missed out on some of the best games that we're going to see all year right and anytime you're you're not able to see or you see less games from a baylor from from a duke from a kansas these name brand teams it hurts because again you're not guaranteed any of these games we're seeing wisconsin in football they had a top ten, like Graham Mertz, that first game. I think their their game against Minnesota has been canceled, right? So you, I, it's it's the sad reality of of the situation. But these games are going to continue to get canceled. There are going to be uh, some more outbreaks. To your point about it getting worse, knock on wood. I guess the only I I, can't, I don't know maybe, but logic would say that it would. And logic will say that there are going to be more cancellations. More people are going to get COVID. Um, and it's, it's, it also goes back to a point that I made a couple weeks ago on the show, Taylor, where I have a hard time coming to grips with something that isn't a full hundred percent go, right? I have a hard time enjoying something when I have to sort of half acid or 60% it. Um, and that's what we're going to be doing here with college basketball. No fans. Some people are going to be missed, uh, missing from games, coaches, teams pulling out. I guess we just have to get, get used to it. It sucks, but that's the reality of the situation. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna make say our jobs, let's call it, much more difficult because it's gonna be pretty tough to preview games when they literally may or may not they're hanging on a thread each individual day on if they're gonna happen or not. You know, so when we project forward or or look to you know games coming up this week, we don't even know if they're going to be played or not. I do know that, uh, you know, some teams are being a little more proactive than others in terms of like rescheduling. Um, I think Oregon state and Stanford 
I think those are the two teams. Uh, they're going to actually play this week uh, in a non-conference game um, because just to get some more games on the schedule because their previous games they were supposed to play, uh, the other teams canceled. So hopefully we see a little bit of that. I know Arizona State, for example, uh, there was a tweet about how they were flying across the country without any idea of who they were going to be playing. Uh, and I can't remember if they pulled out of that tournament or not now. Or they're just, they, they're just playing URI now. Yeah. Okay. Right. So it's not a bailer, I yeah. Think. Right. So that's going to be the problem, though. Is we're going to have so many of these to track, where you've got teams literally in the air who don't even know who they're going to play when they land. It's going to be very much more like. Uh, Almost like the high school days of basketball, right? Where you where you're like playing in some random gym somewhere, and you don't know who you're playing, and or maybe these guys, it'll be a lot like AAU, maybe even, and that's not a good thing necessarily. But where it's like, okay, who's next? Who's next on court five? Okay, us versus them. Okay, great. Here we go. Uh, that could be a good thing for teams that are maybe less talented, but it also could be. Uh, a good thing for just the team that is more well-prepared because they might just run over an ill-prepared team that might be closer if it wasn't so uh, kind of random this year. How much would it suck to be an assistant coach? Because in the tournament, you know who you're going to play, one of two teams, right? And so one assistant gets one team, the other assistant gets another team. You don't know, like you said, who you're going to play. And it, it's it's like... I don't know. You have to study eight different subjects. It's like taking the fucking SATs or whatever it is, right? Or, or your final exams. You have to study all of these subjects, multiple, more than two, uh, if you want to be successful. And so I think we have to take that into consideration, Taylor, when we're evaluating some coaches at the end of this year and their performances. I, I joke about a guy like Shaka Smart saying that this is a make or break year. And it still very well could be. I mean, he's. I think we have enough of a... Uh, of a track record from Shaka to Texas to make an informed decision. But this year there's just way too many variables for coaches to, to overcome in my opinion, to, to, to reasonably overcome at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, ASC, but uh, to another point, uh, scheduling college basketball is so dependent and your success and whether or not you get into the tournament relies heavily on your, uh, your scheduling and so good for a team like URI where they see Baylor pulls out, hey, let's go ahead and schedule ourselves. Let's go ahead and shoehorn ourselves in to play against a ASU, a top 20 team, and get a great non-con win to build our resume for the tournament. So good for David Cox and his boys. And more and more teams need to sort of think along the lines of URI, obviously keeping in mind health concerns. But if you're a team like URI who is talented, they got a guy like Fats Russell, first team all A-10 who has a shot at being at the at, in the tournament and maybe even a bubble team, these are the small little opportunities where you have to sort of just put your foot in there and, and say, hey, I, I, I want to be in here. You know, even, even though I'm a little guy, I want to challenge a top 20 team. And if we win, which I think it is a winnable game for you, URI, uh, nothing but good things toward come, come Selection Sunday or whenever the – I don't even know what's going to be on a Sunday. I, I'm thinking way too far down the line selection just day or whatever um i i don't disagree with what you're saying but i will say is it's going to be tough to uh judge teams whose game got canceled meaning we shouldn't hold it against teams who maybe would have played three great non-conference games and two of them got canceled and then it comes down to the tournament and it's they're going to be on the bubble and maybe they lost their only non-conference game it's going to be tough or only good non-conference game it's going to be tough because we really can't hold it against a school who didn't get the opportunity to play the games they scheduled. So I think that's what's going to make um, really the conference schedule, in my opinion, should be the most important part of what happens when it comes to the selection Sunday or how the season goes. Because it's just going to be such an uneven uh, uh, scheduling or there's going to be so many uneven scheduling conflicts across the board. It's going to be tough to say, oh, well, this team played five great non-conference teams and this one played zero. Well, they should be in the tournament. Well, it's that's not really necessarily a fair way to do it because maybe that team had so many games that were canceled 
that they didn't have an opportunity to even prove themselves. Well, this all goes back to my uh, stipulation, which is a narrative-based stipulation. If it's a team I don't like, I will be pulling that card. I will be talking about strength of schedule, and I'll probably gloss over or leave out pertinent information in making my case for them missing the tournament. Whereas if it's a team that I like, I won't do that. That's what COVID has taught us, man. And that, that, that's what we're living in right now is the, the year of the narr- narrative. And I'm going to push it as much as possible, slap as many asterisks on teams and, and, and coaches and players that I want to because I'm allowed to do that, damn it. So can we just start off by saying that I can't believe ASU ducked Baylor like that? We, they, yeah. should be, they should be knocked down a peg when it comes to Selection Sunday. Yeah. Is I that mean, how that works? Did I do that right? Yeah. Someone might come directly at you and say, well, it was, it was Baylor that pulled out, but I do like your phrasing. Yeah. I Did the, did the game happen? That's it. No. no. Game didn't happen. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, all I know is that ASU didn't show up to the gym. That's all I know. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and get into some of our conference predictions. Let me tell you, though, don't hold any weight into these into these fucking predictions. Like we said, and a million times, we don't know what's happening. These Some of these teams probably won't even finish their schedule, whatever. But we're going to take a stab at it. We're going to try and navigate it as best as possible. Uh, this is great for us, though, because when we look back on this, again, narratives, when we look back on this, we'll just say, well, we had no idea what was going to happen, but let's go ahead and start in the big 10 Taylor who you got coming out of there. Very much hoping for Iowa out of the big 10. I have a feeling that you're going to pick the same thing. So I'm going to go with the national player of the year and Luca Garza and Iowa. I was close to doing that, but I have a revenge tour and that tour begins in Champaign, Illinois with Brad Underwood my boys, and A.O. Desunmu. Uh, I do love Garza, Launchpail Luca. That's our guy. He is the best player in the country, and usually I'd go with that. But Desunmu is no slouch either. I'm going to go with, uh, with Illinois coming out of the Big Ten. Um, ACC, who you got? I'm going to go a little bit off base here with Florida State. Uh, I, I think they just have a stable of athletes that they just continue to roll through there every year. And I think a team that's good defensively and athletic is going to be able to uh, cover up a lot of deficiencies offensively, given the preparation stuff that w- most teams are not going to be able to have on a game to game basis. So Florida state, the backdoor cut show guys brought up a great point. They said after draft draft night, Bruce Pearl and Calipari have these five to 10 minute stretches where they can just put out their PSAs. Calipari, we should all understand. I actually think I saw a tweet saying that, I don't know, like 15 players or something like that have signed deals greater than 50 million or or something like that um, coming out of Kentucky. Pearl, they're like, what the hell? How how does Bruce Pearl get, get uh, get this platform? But they also mentioned Leonard Hamilton, who has produced some lottery type players as well from Florida state. And we discuss ad nauseum at this point, it almost feels like we're a Leonard Hamilton uh, program, how underrated he truly is. I don't think that's a bad pick at all. It's a very good value pick. They're going to be competing for that conference title. Uh, So I actually like Louisville there, but I'm going to zigzag a little bit away from that. I'm going to go with Virginia. Uh, I think it's going to come down to UVA and Florida state, but senior leadership, Veteran leadership, I should say. Kihei Clark, you know how much I love point guards. The little man that could. He's a national champion. We've seen what Tony Bennett can do. Also, that speaks for itself. Sam Hauser also is eligible for the Cavaliers. I think that's going to be a much-needed boost, especially on the offensive end where they, I mean, we've seen Virginia the past couple of years. I think that's going to be enough for them to, to win this conference here, uh, Cavaliers. Can I give you a little Florida State trivia, if I may? I- well, don't answer it. I want to try and answer it. Oh, well, it's not. Okay, well. Oh, so just a not, nugget? It's, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's a nugget. Okay. Okay. Uh, Florida State's the first program in college basketball history to have two first-round picks back-to-back that never started a game in college. Well, so this could be a question. Who are they? Hold on. Okay. The lottery picks. Is it Patrick Williams? Because he's a six-man, right? Right, right. I had no idea who he was. Um and who was it? Lottery picks that never started. Was Dwayne Bacon a lottery pick? No, back to back years. Oh, who was it the year prior? Uh, Kevin Kelly. 
Who? <laughs> Mifondu Kevin Kelly. When did he get picked? 27th last year. That's lottery? Or uh, first round pick. Excuse me. Did oh, I say okay. Lottery? Okay. Yeah. I, no, yeah. you may not have. I don't know. Okay. Because yeah. I was thinking in the lottery. I was like, damn. Uh, yeah. I mean, that 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 makes sense. Like, like Leonard to, Hamilton. But that just tells you how deep these teams are that they have is now they have two back-to-back first round picks or years with first round picks that never even started a game across their entire college careers. Does it ever make you wonder though, like why weren't they starting if they have this NBA type of potential? Yeah, we went kind of back through that. Was that you and I, or maybe some other people, but um, you know, Dion waiters never uh, started a game in college and he was like the fourth pick. Uh, there's someone else that's pretty notable. I'd have to go back and look, but there are. It, it does happen. Now, obviously, if you're a can't miss, can't miss guy, you're gonna be starting. But uh, draft is all on potential. So if you got a guy that's that good, but it doesn't fit into the particular system they play in college, but maybe in the more wide open version of basketball in the pros, I, I mean, I can see it. Obviously, Patrick Williams is one of those guys. I'd have to go back and look to see what the overall success rate of that is, though. SEC, Taylor, who you got coming out of there? Well, I'd like to pick anyone but Kentucky, but I'm going to pick Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee maybe was a consideration of mine, and I I assume Shark is going to pick Kentucky to win the SEC, but I'll go with Kentucky. You assume he's going to pick Kentucky to win the SEC? Tennessee. Tennessee to win the SEC, excuse me. Well, all we can do is assume because, again, to reiterate, not here to to say anything about the balls. I'm actually going Kentucky as well. Olivier Saar, Devin Askew, Brandon Boston. I mean, these are just names that they always reuse, reload, uh, transfer, and then a couple freshmen there that I had mentioned. I also don't think the SEC will be that great top to bottom. And I could see the winner of this conference still only having like – I shouldn't say only having, but having about maybe nine losses – uh, which is a, 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 a decent amount, I would say, but I'm going to take Kentucky as well. And then, of course, Calipari. Um, I'm sure I'd get disputed on that. I'm sure we're going to get texted again from from the Shark being like, you guys don't know anything. You, you, we'll, we'll get tweeted up. But uh, maybe next time he'll be here to to defend his, his conference and his boys. Uh, Big 12, any thoughts there? Can I thank you, by the way, for having no – alphabetical semblance of how we're going through this list. So I have to keep scrolling through all my notes and shit. Thanks for that. Uh, I'm going to go with Baylor. I think they're, well, I mean, not stepping out on the limb and saying they could be the best team in the country. Um, I'm just not going to pick Kansas because of some preconceived biases that I have. And I fully admit that, but uh, I I like Baylor. I really don't think there's a team outside of Baylor or Kansas. That's going to win this unless Mac McClung becomes like the national player of the year with Texas tech. But, I'll go with Baylor. Country roads. Yes, they're back. Huggy bear. West Virginia, baby. I'm I'm back on uh, the Mountaineers. It's a redemption tour for him. I'm in the redemption tour starting in Champaign with Brad Underwood. Huggy has his own there in Morgantown. I really, I mean, I I wasn't going to pick Kansas either because I think last year, the past two years really, it's kind of opened the door for some people to, feel okay about taking someone other than Kansas in the big 12 Texas tech obviously is a player and then Baylor, of course, how great, how great they are on paper and how great they were last year. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and take West Virginia side note. Have you seen this TikTok and this theory that's been floated around that the John Denver song country roads is not about the state of West Virginia, but rather the region of the western region of the state of Virginia. Are you following me? Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's some evidence to back that up. As this shows John Denver aficionado, um, I am. I need to do a little more research into this and get back to you. I, I feel like this is something I should be aware of, and I apologize for not being more aware of it in advance. No, that's fine. I, I, I think... Like if I was from the Mountaineer, is it the Mountaineer State? Is that what West Virginia calls themselves? If I was from West Virginia, I'd be holding on to that for dear life because there's not much much else you got. There's not much else you bring to the table except for that. Uh, what was that reality show on MTV? Buck Wild. You ever watch that? Wow. Yes. And like 
I guess you could hang on to the fact that there's like 19 high major division one college football coaches that grew up in like within a mile of each other in Morgantown, which is just absurd. It is. So that's, that's all you got. Those are the three things that you have right there. Yeah. But I mean, do a little research on that theater goer. If you want to take a look at that, that TikTok or the vine or whatever it was, um, it's, it's very compelling compelling information, but I am going to go with the Mountaineers coming out of the big 12. Since I zigzag so much, Taylor, I'll actually pass you the rock. Why don't you kick it to me? What's, what's most convenient for you next on, on the conference list? Give me the big East. Okay. Big East. (laughs) Um, This is a slam dunk for me. It's Villanova. I think it's a two horse race, honestly, between them and Creighton. They're going to have some other tournament teams that are going to be competitive. Villanova and Creighton are going to suffer maybe one or two bad losses, quote unquote, but it just really comes down to Jay Wright. It comes back to all of the starters that are coming back for Villanova. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I think, is highlighting them, in my opinion. But outside of maybe Gonzaga, Villanova has the best starting five in the entire country. Absolutely loaded. So I'm going to go with uh, the Wildcats. And it's it's a pretty safe pick, especially with what's what, what Jay Wright has been doing uh, the past few years. Yeah, that's the safest pick probably we have of any conference champion pick. There's no, there's not even a reason to convince yourself to take anyone other than Villanova. Should we do what else? We got Pac-12 next. I mean, I got them listed out. I just want to make sure that you're you're comfortable with with where we're going on this sleigh ride. We can <laughs> yeah. do Pac-12 next. Give me like Pac-12. Give me Pac-12. Okay. You're not going to like this. I mean, this has been a terrible, brutal year, and to continue that theme, uh, I am going to pick ASU coming out of the Pac-12. The the Sun Devils are going to win this conference. They have a preseason All-American, which you can debate Remy Martin, but you can't debate that he's probably he's he's the best point guard in the conference. Um, Bobby Hurley has done a, a good job with as begrudgingly as I want to admit that. And of course they have Josh Christopher coming in as a stud out of high school. So I'm going to go and there's a, there's palpable, palpable buzz in Tempe. There's not going to be much of a competition there for the conference title either. Maybe Mick Cronin and UCLA, you could make that argument. Uh, but that along with the big East is in my opinion, going to be a two horse race. I'm going to go with the Sun Devils. I disagree. You got Oregon that's right there, too. And my pick is UCLA, uh, which is almost as worse as ASU winning the conference. I don't see ASU winning the conference simply because I don't think Remy Martin is as good as the national pundits believe him to be. I've watched 65 of Remy Martin's games, let's call it. And I think he's a classic guy. And we do this, too. Don't don't get me wrong about other players because it's hard to watch literally all 365 teams in college basketball every night across the year. Right. But Austin I think does it. Yeah. Somehow. He's right? The only man, but Remy Martin strikes me as the classic example of someone who East coast uh, pundits go, Oh, he's been good the last couple of years. Right. Oh yeah. Shit. And, and then they all just kind of bank off each other's previews and saying, oh, yeah, that Remy Martin's nice, man. In reality, I bet you there isn't a single pundit on the East Coast of these here United States that has watched more than 10 of Remy Martin's basketball games. I'd be willing oh. to put a good, um, a, a great amount of money on that. I thought you were going to say 10 minutes. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I thought you were going to say 10 hours, 10 <laughs> games. No, definitely not. Right. Oh, or any of these ASU games. So I'm not saying that they're not going to be good because they are going to be good. Don't get me wrong. But – the I think that they're just the hot pick to be the hot pick. I don't think that there's actually a lot of substance to that. Now, I will say, just because I can't leave the Pac-12 without talking about Arizona at all, Arizona is something like plus 1,200 to win the conference. On a year that's this crazy, that's maybe not a bad pick, given the fact that the teams in front of them aren't that much more talented uh, than Arizona potentially could be. I think this is going to be a much more wide open race in the Pac-12 than you think it's going to be. So I'm going to disagree with you wholeheartedly there, especially on the heels of draft night. When hey, props to you by the way for getting the Zeke Naji uh, first round pick correct. I I disputed that, but you were right. He early, was first round. early too. Let me no, I, was, was he early? He was like 25, wasn't he? No, 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 no. 
I predicted it early oh, in his. Yeah. It, it wasn't like at the end of the year. I'm like, oh, he's going to be a first round draft pick. This Correct. was like literally in almost the post preview show we did last year. Continue hug for on. you. No, hug for you. That's that's well deserved. But and I remember you texted me. You said I got to bring that up. So I brought it up for you. But I also texted you back saying, okay, yes, we can talk about that. But only if I get to mention Sean Miller's shortcomings with having oh. Nico Mannion a late <laughs> completely, second. completely, yeah. yeah, Josh Green and. uh Zeke on a team that, if we're being honest, prior to COVID, wasn't a complete lock for for the NCAA tournament. They were pretty much going to get in after they beat Washington in the Pac-12 tournament game, uh, the first first round or whatever it was. But they weren't a complete lock. So this year, with a less talented roster, with two teams that are actually on the rise with more talent on their team, yeah, they may not be substantially better. But uh, I just don't trust Arizona anymore to to win that conference, or at least this year for sure. And then uh, you know I've I've lost complete. This is pretty bad, but I've lost complete track of the name of the Estonian who uh, is going back to Estonia to compete for the national team. Tabulis, is that our guy? Kirk Kirk Oh, Kirk I should I, that I should have known. Um, the intention is for him to come back and be eligible, but he's not hes not cleared to play by the NCAA as it stands right now as you're listening to this show. So, And he's probably the best player on well, the team. And let me – I know this is Arizona-oriented, so sorry I didn't mean to get too far down this rabbit hole, but what the fuck else has the NCAA had to do to get to let these people go, know if they're eligible enough? Like, are eligible or not? I, it, it's still complete, like, buffoonery that – Oh yeah, you can. You're eligible. Oh fuck, no, nah, you're not eligible. Ah, maybe we'll get to you. Like, there's no rhyme or reason that some of these guys are eligible or not. Um, all that being said, Arizona aside, I think you're super undervaluing Oregon, though. Uh, Chris Duarte, Will Richardson, those guys are still there. Those guys still have all of the same amount of or more experience than any of like the ASU guys or even most of the UCLA guys too. So I think you're super undervaluing Oregon here. Hand up. I definitely am. I just completely forgot about them, to be honest with you. I completely forgot about the Ducks up there. Isn't Dante still though? Isn't Enfali Dante still in Oregon too? Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know what? Maybe maybe Oregon can compete. It's three horse race. I'm still going with ASU because 2020 is the year of accountability and I already put it out into the atmosphere. But I will change the fact that I said it was a two horse race. To a three-horse race. What a morbidly terrible three-horse race that is, by the way. You're so classic Pac-12. But that's out of the Pac-12. Who else have we not gotten to? Let's go to the AAC, as a matter of fact. American Athletic. You want to talk about a bad conference. This is a bad conference. Who you got coming out of there? They were. I think we thought really highly of them last year. I think we projected like seven uh, tournament teams for them last year. This year... Not so fast, my friend. Um, I'm going to go with Houston simply because I think Memphis just doesn't have as much talent as they did uh, last year. Obviously, Wiseman and Achiwa not being there. So I'm going to go with Houston. They're kind of the the overwhelming favorite in the conference. Uh, But boy, this is a conference that especially like Greg Marshall's departure, stuff like that. Not that Wichita State was necessarily going to be that good this year. But this is a conference that let's... Let's call it a rebuilding year. But if you're going to have a rebuilding year, this year is a good one, a good year to do that. Yeah, I'm going with Houston as well. Uh, Kelvin Sampson has won consistently at Houston, gotten them to the tournament. We've yet to see that from Penny. I suppose if there is a year for his Tigers to win the conference, get to a tournament, this is it. Uh, but I am going to go with the Cougars as well. I And I'm glad you brought up what we thought about them last year and even mentioned the amount of tournament teams we had projected. I'm going to predict that they only get maybe two teams in the NCAA tournament, which is a very low number for a power conference. And yes, damn it, I said they're a power conference. Uh, so I will say I did like what Cincinnati did at the end of last year. They were an up-and-coming team. And let me let me channel my inner Marv Albert. They were showing some signs towards the end of last year. So watch out for Cincinnati to uh, hand one of these guys some some losses as well. But I think we're in agreement there with Houston coming out of the AAC. And I don't know if you had this in your prep, but last year, Taylor, when we did our predictions, we got a a very strongly worded message from great listener of the program, Justin Hasgard, Rody Ram, and he was pissed that we didn't include any A-10 predictions. And I told him, well, that's because they're not a power conference. I still don't think they're a power conference, but we'll, we'll, we'll predict them. 
we'll predict them. Do you have anyone from out of the A10? If you didn't have uh, in your prep, who do you have off the top of your head? Well, I'm. I don't want to get tweeted at negatively by a new friend of the program, Dan Sullivan Sully. So let's go with Dayton. Why not? He's confident in them, so I am too. Yep, I'm going with Dayton as well. Jalen Crutcher, Anthony Grant. Uh, I will say, though, I know I've mentioned it a couple times, Rhode Island, though. Rhode Island uh, is a good team. They have a an all-conference player in Fats. And like I said, they could get out of the gates hot with a big win against ASU. Uh, that, that wouldn't necessarily mean a ton or anything for their conference uh, standings. But... Uh, it gives them confidence going into the season, so I like I like where URI is at. But I'm going to go with with Dayton out of the A10. Is there anyone else? Any other conference that you wanted to cover? Is there anyone that I missed? No, I I was just going to kind of point out though that uh, this year, seemingly in terms of um, let's say mid major schools, uh, there's really only going to be one or two that are going to kind of scratch the. Um, the national media's uh, itch to, to cover them. And obviously one of them is going to be Gonzaga. Um, I guess you could argue if the mountain West is, is a mid-major SDSU will be right there and then uh, perhaps BYU, but there's really not going to be a ton of those guys coming out of the woodworks. Now, that being said, a lot of the reason for that in today's world, given versus 10 years ago is like, Let's take Creighton, for example. Creighton used to be a mid-major school in a mid-major conference. They are not that anymore. Houston, same situation. And Wichita State would have been a more applicable for that conference. But So I think the reason that we see fewer uh, mid-major like success stories now, or, or at least coming into this year, is we just straight up have less mid-major teams because all of the good teams that were mid-majors 10, 15 years ago are now the part, part of major conferences, Sands, Gonzaga. And again, it's because they're good, right? They got good enough where these major conferences want Completely. Them. Right. Completely. And that's understandable. That's, uh, uh, I guess that's how the world of college athletics works. Yeah. Utah State was another team that was exciting last year. Sammy Merrill, he went number 60, I believe, Mr. Irrelevant in the NBA draft. Uh, the only reason I'm bringing them up, I don't expect them to do anything. Uh, number one, because of Bill Sprout, always got a shoehorn Bill Sprout in here. But number two, Sammy Merrill was uh, the Sharks boy. But again, here, not uh, he's, he's not here to uh, talk about him. I had to pepper that one in one more time. Um, okay, uh, some news and notes, though, here, Taylor. Let's talk Gonzaga. You brought them up. Huge developing news for them in their uh, their roster. Andrew Nemhart transferred from Florida, five star, was granted eligibility yesterday, and he is uh, ready to go for them. Just another cog in that machine. So you look at guys like Corey Kispert. Uh, they got Drew Timmy, Nemhart, Joel Ayayi. I think I'm missing another stud. Uh, th- they're fucking good, man. And I know last episode I kind of. I don't know. I I think I rolled my eyes at their number one ranking. Not in the sense that they weren't deserving of it, but I was like, fine, we've seen them at number one. We've seen them top three for for so many years. And what have they really done? Yeah, they've been to a Final Four pretty recently. But this year, man, Gonzaga is going to be a buzzsaw. And it's not just them demolishing teams in the awful West Coast Conference. Gonzaga is going to be incredibly good. I mean, they might be the best team in the country. I, For my money, I still think it's Villanova. But Gonzaga, man, it's tough for me to scoff at them, especially with this news coming down the street. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're already the number one team in the country without having literally yeah. like a starting point guard on the rest but of, that's, that, of this. That's how little I think of them. Usually they they were number one ranked team in the country. I was like, whatever. And then this news happened. It takes a five-star transfer from Florida on top of a one ranking for me to be like, okay, I even admit it. So I think you're forgetting Jalen Suggs is uh, their big uh, recruit this year. But so he's five-star recruit as well. So, I mean, you think of how good Gonzaga usually is, and it's usually without any of these big recruits. Now you have a, a starting backcourt or potentially starting backcourt of two five-star uh, talented guys. Um, the last time I think they would have had a five-star uh, 
recruit was when uh, Nigel Williams Goss transferred over uh, from Washington to play in the backcourt there. Uh, and it actually didn't work out maybe as well as I think a lot of people would have. Not not their season success, but Nigel I was Williams say, Goss. Didn't he, wasn't he the starting point guard? Yeah, in the yeah, title yeah. But, yeah. But, I mean, he was supposed to be a, a little nicer than he was. Obviously, I don't think anyone would trade where they ended up that year as a Gonzaga fan. Um so, yeah, it's going to be tough, I think, even for me. And I'm like a very staunch Gonzaga detractor uh, to convince me or, or really anyone of, of why maybe they wouldn't make a Final Four this year. They're just going to be, especially given their schedule, too. They have probably the hardest non-conference schedule in the country if everything kind of pans out. And now to have maybe the most talented roster. and they, Everything's coming up Gonzaga right now. Uh in terms of their future success for this season. They should be, their goal should be the number one overall seed come tournament time. I think that's what their season goal should be. They should put West Coast Conference in the rear view. I'm sure Few isn't preaching that to his team, but us as neutral observers, number one overall seed should be the goal for for the Zags. Uh, I mean, this should just tell you how much of a toll 2020 has taken on me. Here in November, almost December, I've chosen ASU to win the Pac-12, and I'm a firm believer in Gonzaga. I mean, just bodied by this year, 2020. Uh, other news and note here, Taylor Auburn, self-imposed postseason ban. Our guy, Mike Burgomaster, uh, always always hops on to discuss uh, the, the season and discuss uh, his team right now. I'm sure he's, he's not able to do that at all. Uh, I didn't even think about reaching out to him for this. Tough, tough break. Uh, for the players, but Auburn self-imposing those sanctions. What are your thoughts? Well, not only that, but uh, one of their freshmen, Sharif Cooper, is apparently uh, potentially not eligible either this year. So um, just, you know, I think this is perfect, though. And I don't want to make fun of Auburn because we are an Auburn supporting podcast. But nothing more classic than in a COVID year, where everything's all fucked up season could be canceled all this type of stuff. like you know guys hey hand up we fucked up we're just gonna sit this one out this year no big deal you know if you're cool with that i'm cool with that all right cool it's genius on their part right because why waste your eligibility this year to have it taken away in a in a different year so um it's not funny, but I think it's a it's a heady play by uh, Bruce Pearl uh, to say, you know what, you know, this just isn't our year. We're gonna go ahead and sit this one out, guys. Look, I love Burgo, but the only reason we're saying it's not funny, we can't t- treat him with kid gloves. It is funny, honestly. This reeks of Coach K suspending Grayson Allen for one game against like some garbage ass opponent, whatever it is. Uh, it is funny, and I'm wrestling between whether I love the move or hate the move. On one hand, I'm saying to myself. I love the fact that my school, Arizona, no matter how guilty they appear, is saying, fuck it. I'm fighting this. I've made it this far in the trenches. What's the point of going back and turning back right now? I'm going to see this thing through the end, even in a COVID year. But on the other hand, exactly to your point, uh, what what better year to show contrition than than this one, right? So uh, I, I don't know. Jury's out on what I think about this this move from Auburn, but I think the biggest thing that pisses Pearl off is that recruit uh, that that recruit info that you just gave us. Well, you can probably marry these two things together, right? Your five star recruit is is going through eligibility issues, so before that gets announced, the day before that gets announced, you go you pull out of the postseason, and then when he's not eligible, you go, well, God, you know. We already pulled out of the postseason, so it's had nothing to do with the fact that our best player potentially is not eligible, right? has nothing to do with that. So it's about it's spinning everything the right way to make sure you, you come across as uh, being like wholeheartedly caring about that. Well, I told you, man, the whole year is about narratives. The whole entire year is about narratives, and Auburn's playing that same, same game. Um, all right, let's finish it off, though, with... Uh, some segments before we do that. We do want to remind you that we're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. You got to go subscribe, baby. In 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 honor of college basketball coming back, go subscribe. Um, but okay, let's finish it off here, Taylor. This week in feet, 
This week in feed, Andy Katz and Tom Ferry wrote an article way back in 2003 about how the NCAA might do away with teams playing exhibition games against AAU teams. I don't even remember this being a thing. Did you ever remember college basketball teams playing exhibition games against like high schoolers and not only just regular high schoolers, these guys were playing against teams that had highly touted recruits. So I think the article started with UConn playing Rudy Gay's AAU team. And of course, where does Rudy Gay end up? UConn. Calhoun was quoted as saying, well, I think it's bullshit that you guys think because of these games, we landed Rudy. We landed Rudy because we recruited him for two years. I, I, I believe that. I don't think it was just because of the games, but the biggest standout to me, I was reading it and I was like, when the hell did these guys play high schoolers? Do you remember this? Where did she get that ass from, Subi? Uh, Juicy, Juicy J. Rudy Gay. Rudy, yeah. Me, sorry. <laughs> come, sorry. Come on. Come on. Um, yeah, I don't really remember this either. Uh, the only thing I remember is, um, and I think it still happens, is like prep schools playing like community college programs, um, which is. Those two things are not necessarily dissimilar uh, in terms of where those basketball players go. But I definitely don't remember like the Oakland Soldiers playing like Cal or, or something like that. And you said this was 2003? Yep. Yeah. Well, I guess it was maybe right before we really started paying attention to like the underworld of college basketball, let's call it, because we would have been what, freshmen in high school then? Yeah, about yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, so maybe that was right before we started uh, really uh, mining through the underworld uh, of college basketball. I love the word distinction there when we really started to realize or, or unravel that because it's been going on forever. It's not like this shit started in 2003. This has been going on forever, but you're right. I think around 2004, 2005 is when some of these things started to come out. Well, and you now see that a lot too, and I don't even know how many schools host AAU tournaments in general, because I know that back in the day you could use like collegiate facilities to host some of these tournaments. Now, the only reason I know this is because Lute Olson got in trouble for providing pizza to the players at one of the uh, AAU tournaments that was being held at McHale center in like 2006 or 2007. So it's funny how the, uh, I don't want to call it cyclical, but how these things come to come to be, right? Where I guess something actually has to be fucked up to then actually get some change. So I guess 2003 and then 2006 or 2007 when Lute Olsen was slanging pies out there for uh, for little white kids from Tucson <laughs> to get to maybe come to Arizona. I don't know. That's how change happens, I guess. Yeah. All right. Before we let the theater goer uh, watch this bevy of games today. You got any hugs? So this is going to be my second draft nugget of the night, but it goes to a school that we usually don't talk about. It's going to, my hug is going to be to Vanderbilt. They're the only program in the country that had a lottery pick each of the last two years. Wow. So Naismith, why am I forgetting two years ago? Naismith and who? Can you guess it? Oh, fucking uh, Darius Garland. There you go. So, they turned those two lottery picks into a substantially beautiful 20 and 43 records over the last two years, two years. So hug for hug for Vanderbilt one hug for them for having two lottery picks back to back years. Second hug is a, a solemn hug that I'm sorry that you had two lottery picks the last two years and you got 20 total wins out of it. I mean, God damn. Are they just not, the, are, they're the opposite of Florida state, right? Florida state has these studs, but they're sitting on the bench and they go to elite eights and they compete for conference titles in the best conference in America to, usually. Whereas Vandy has these two lottery picks that are playing and they have that record. <laughs> so here's a, here's a question for you. I'll give you an over under. Okay how many sec wins they have across the last two years. Okay. I'm going to set the, I'm going to give you the over under of seven and a half. I'll just take the under based on how you're proposing this question. Yeah. Cause it's three. They have three sec. Wins <laughs> wow. <laughs> Was yeah. last year Stackhouse's first year? Um, I want to think say it was his second, but I, I mean, they're going to give him time one. to get his guys in there. Cause this still reeks of, well, no, Kevin Stall. Who was? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Who was the Vanderbilt coach before 
Oh, it was Bryce Drew. Bryce Drew. Go. It still reeks of Bryce Drew. God, between him and Kevin Stallings, I, I just terrible. So yeah, I mean, give, what's up, Kitty? I hear oh, that yeah. cat. Oh uh, yeah, we got the we got the cat over here joining us. Well, you got the dog chiming in every every fifteen minutes of theater and college hoops. So I guess the cat over here wanted to say what up. Pet friendly here. I might play us some Sarah McLaughlin courtesy of Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> Why not play us out there? Um, okay, my hug is going to be for Tate Frazier. Tate Frazier is uh, a co-host on Titus and Tate. You could say our rival, main uh, but, main number our number one rival. Yeah, yeah, main number one rival. And John Rothstein, great news. His show stuffed. His YouTube show stuffed is back, and he had a friendsgiving. He had a friendsgiving with Titus and Tate, and also Big Cat and PFT. And the reason I'm giving Tate a hug here is because I didn't finish the entire episode, but the first 25 minutes or so, he didn't get one word in. I'm not kidding because the first time they went to him. He was on mute by accident. And I mean, you got to be a professional. You've done this a million times. You're on Rothstein's show, failure to prepare, preparing to fail, that whole deal. But even after he unmuted himself, and it was very clear he unmuted himself, I don't think he got like one word in. I think he was literally just sitting there um, listening to these other three talk. So hug for you, Tate Frazier. I also want to give a hug to the pearl clutchers in college basketball media. This might be an annual hug I give before every single season. And you know what? I shouldn't say before every single season because not everything is guaranteed, but we have a season this year. Hopefully we're on track for the rest of our lifetime, but this might be an annual hug I give to the pearl clutchers because again, back in 2017 or whatever it was when the bedrock, the foundation of college basketball was crumbling because of these uh, FBI investigations and all these hot takes were flying. Uh, I'm going to give a hug to you guys because everyone's pretty much still standing. Rick Patino still standing, albeit in Iona. Sean Miller still standing at Arizona. Will Wade still standing at LSU. Who are some guys that have gotten fired? Uh, Greggy Marshall, who was revered and not mixed up in any of this stuff. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So didn't have any these, didn't have anything to do with with that with that. Yeah. After right. all this shit is said and done, and it's it's almost like saying, "Well, Father Time's undefeated." And you mentioned Tom Brady; uh, he has been defeated. Father Time was defeated because Tom Brady's forty three years old. No one expected him to be this like to be here this long. And so maybe in five years or something, or even shorter than that. These three coaches who I brought up are going to be fired. Maybe they won't be at Arizona at LSU. But they've survived since 2017. That's a win, baby, because everyone was saying that they're going to be done within the next few months. You look at the Billises. You look at the 40s. Shit. Yeah, they have a postseason ban, but Bruce, Bruce Pearl still still going at Auburn. I want to give a hug to the Pearl Clutchers because none of these guys, and I'm not going to sit here and say that you were preying on their downfall or contributing to it. I just think it's hysterical that you had all these hot takes about what was going to happen to these coaches and Yet again, three years later, in one of the most uncertain seasons, these guys are still roaming the sidelines. Last but not least, a hug for all of us. We made it. Go watch some college hoops. We will catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.